you've stumbled onto the sleeping giant. Let's broaden our minds. Hello, and welcome back to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte, and I'd like to say thank you for joining me once more. I'm pretty stoked for this episode as I've got not one but two guests joining me, Mr. John Galantini and Rich Lansley, and we're taking a deep dive into the underrated and what I think is a misunderstood film, David Fincher's Alien 3. The three of us will be discussing the alternate version of the film known as the Assembly Cut, so if you haven't seen that cut of the film, there are quite a few twists and surprises in store, and this should make for an entertaining episode. As mentioned, Alien 3 seems to be one of those love-it-or-leave-it films, but by the end of this episode, I'm hoping a lot of you will give this flick another go. It's certainly worth it to explore the assembly cut, and at the very least, I hope you all enjoy this discussion. This is the eighth episode of, uh, of the Sleeping Giant podcast this year, which means we're getting to my favorite time to be alive, autumn, such as it is here in Florida. Now, the weather here is not unlike that of paradise for all of a month and a half, and I am told by Floridians that this is what makes all this worth it. Now, I'm not sure if all this refers to 110% humidity, 103 degree heat, and wackadoodle racists at every turn and corner, but I can only assume that it does. So I'm uh, I'm going to go on record here and say, though, that uh, no, no, I, I don't think it does. Now, at any rate, Autumn does also mean that Halloween is just around the bend, and uh, the, how this is going to play out in the midst of a pandemic is still anyone's guess. I do feel bad for the kids this year, though I myself do enjoy walking around the neighborhood and watching everyone enjoy themselves, so it'll be a shame if we miss out on that, but it would be a bigger shame if uh, if more kids wound up sick or dead, so hey, uh, let's uh, let's cancel Halloween, but open up the schools. All right, fuck, fuck me. Look, I know that's a loaded situation with many, many facets, and I'm not an expert. But uh, come on, y'all. Damn. Oh, last and certainly not least, the uh, this next season is going to bring us the newest episodes of The Mandalorian, for which I am super stoked specifically i'm looking forward to cobb vanth and his acid scored mandalorian armor as well as the casting of uh, of a particular new zealander who could literally be playing any number of identical characters so uh so many so many rumors rumors revolving around uh the dark saber sabine bo katan and ahsoka that it's it's really it's all so exciting so there was a concern for a while that COVID-19 was going to delay the release of the second season, but reports do seem to indicate that we will get to savor this newest live-action installment of Star Wars much sooner rather than later. Anyhow, I got a good show for y'all, so go on and get comfy, because we are about to begin. John, Rich, you there? Yeah, man. Hey, man. Thank you We're very here. much for having us on. Glad that we could get this all together. I know sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get it arranged, but here we are. <laughs> all right, so the, the, the topic of conversation today is, is a bit, uh, I don't want to say controversial necessarily, but I know that it's, uh, it, it had divided opinions way before Ryan Johnson got his fucking hands on Star Wars, <laughs> and, uh, and that is 
Alien 3. Now, it did give me some of those vibes, by the way, but we'll get into that later, of course. So this this is a weird movie, I think. That that might be putting it lightly. What do you what do you think? I love it. I, I think it's it. uh, I think it's a masterpiece. I truly do, and I think that's a real controversial thing to say because there's about four people in the world that like this film. But I generally <laughs> two of them are on this call. <laughs> well, three of them are here. I, 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 I will say. I do like it. I do like this movie. Um, now, before we get rolling, I, I do want to make it clear that I've seen Alien 3 maybe twice my entire life. Wow. Uh, once when it came out. So I was a, a young man, a young boy, I suppose. And and then again when I was an adult. And as John mentioned earlier, last night was my first time viewing the assembly cut. And, and I got to say... Viewing the assembly cut, or what's known as the assembly cut, definitely, it didn't really influence my opinion of the film overall, because I, I liked it every time I've seen it, but I will say that it makes far more sense, uh, and is far more cohesive. 100%, 100%. It, uh, it's a treat, watching that for yeah. the first time. is it's For me, it was like almost like a whole new film, kind of, for me. Oh, it was, first. absolutely. <clears throat> Um, it's amazing to watch that for the first time. It blew my mind the first time I saw the assembly cut after watching the theatrical version so many times before and then mm -hmm. seeing this whole other film come out and right. a lot of the plot holes are sort of explained a lot better and clearer. Um, yeah, it's a real treat watching that for the first time. Absolutely. I, I did turn to my wife probably about 45 minutes into the movie and I said, I have never seen this movie before. I said, this, this is a brand new film. Mm. Very, I like very much so. Of, I, I, since I discovered the assembly cut, um, which is about, I don't know, it'll be, it'll be the mid sort of about 2005, 2006 when I first d discovered it existed. Um, I've subsequently looked at the original version as, as a, um, almost like the tv edit you know oh, it's it's yeah. inferior it's, it, it's certainly inferior well, it's, it's really it did feel that way um even i remember i saw alien 3 for the first time in about uh, 97 it was shown on on tv in the uk um and it back then television films were always uh heavily edited and cut down and just you know sure extra gore and stuff would be shortened and swearing would sometimes be cut um but it did feel like it was heavily, rapidly edited. Uh, and sometimes, mm. you know, people, end of people's sentences would be cut off and whatever. And I, I think a lot of that was actually there in the original uh, theatrical release. It wasn't just LTV, um, LWT meddling. It was actually there in the sure. hurried kind of cut. A chop, chopped up mess. Yeah. But, but I, <laughs> Before we get into the mess, movie I proper. Still, I still kind of appreciated it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think it was unwatchable by any no. stretch of the imagination. But before we start talking about the film proper, mm. I'd like to ask both of you: How did you come to? How did you come to this film and and the Alien franchise specifically? How 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 were you introduced to the concept of uh, Lieutenant Ripley and and the Xenomorph and uh, and these pictures together? Wow, John, do you want to take this one? Um, okay, uh, my my first. I was aware that there was a film called Alien that was a, uh, a horror film. Um, and I had no real idea of um, what that was. or I don't think I'd ever seen it. I think I might have seen some photos of the 
interior of the derelict spaceship, you know, where they're standing mm-hmm. around looking at the space jockey and whatever. Um, and when I was about uh, 11 or 12, I found a videotape of Alien in my best friend's attic. Um, recorded off the television. Uh, there was a whole box of them. And I smuggled this tape downstairs to his room. And I slept over that night. And he had a VCR in his room. So as soon as his parents had gone to bed, we turned out the lights. And we, we put Alien on. So I watched Alien for the first oh, wow. time. And uh, I was gripped with, with fear and suspense because I had no idea what was coming. So uh, you saw the right. Alien 1 first? Yes. Uh, I saw Alien 1 first, followed by Alien 3. <laughs> wow. Because wow. Alien that's 3... That's, that's a little strange. Yeah, <laughs> Alien 3 was available. It was shown on TV. I remember asking my parents if I could step to watch it. They were very much against me watching that. Um, I, I set up a VCR to record it, um, like, you know, when they'd gone to bed and whatever. And then the following mm-hmm. day I went to watch it and it got about one or two minutes into the movie over that kind of credit sequence. And uh, and then the, 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 the whole tape just cut out and it, it moved to a film called <laughs> the, the Killing Fields. You know that movie? Oh, fan- fantastic. <laughs> so it cut into that. So obviously I'd been caught... And they'd stop the tape. Um, oh, sucks. Yeah. But it was a while before I, I think, it, I think it was about a year before I managed to source it off a friend and actually watch Alien 3. Um, I wish I saw nice. Alien 1 first, man. I wish that was the first. I saw Alien Aliens first. Right. When I was, I don't know, pretty young, like 10, maybe 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and that film just blew my mind. I think that's the first James Cameron film I ever saw. Or maybe I saw Terminator, but hmm. I saw Aliens first, and I, I watched it on VHS, and I finished watching it by myself, and I took the VHS out, I put it back in, and then I rewound it and watched the whole thing again. From <laughs> yeah. wow, literally just because I'd never seen a film like that before in my life. Yeah, um, and it just blew my mind. So I just sat there and I watched the whole thing again, and I think then I saw Alien One after that maybe not long after and then i then that that's when i truly understood it i think when i was just watching aliens it was just kind of i mean it's a great film um sure but it was it, it was like an action film for me it was, it was like vietnam in space mm-hmm. but then when i saw alien Absolutely. alien one after that the original that's when i truly understood it and then i was i was fully on board after seeing ridley scott's alien um it sounds like we're all kind of on the same page. Uh, I, I would guess that we're all relatively similar in age. Me being thirty six, John, I think you're you're somewhere in there. Yeah, as yeah. Well. Rich, Rich and I are the so, same age. We're both uh, yeah. thirty four. When you see these movies growing up, you know it's either from a like a parental influence or, you know, you. I, I think a lot of us get these attachment to these films because they're discovered, mm. um, or forbidden, perhaps a little bit more than shown to us. Or, or given to us. There are several films, I guess, and, and my favorites that are that are similar. But the thing about those movies in particular, and I did see Alien. I saw the first Alien, and then and then Aliens. My dad was pretty big on um, allowing me to be in the room while these things were on television, right, right. which I have zero problem with whatsoever. But uh, the first two movies, you you kind of have this um, best of both worlds scenario where they're both horror. Whereas the first is sci-fi horror, mm. and the second is sci-fi action. Yeah. 
Mm. So you kind of have this um, this interesting mix of you have two completely different films, but they're both incredibly enthralling. And then you have Alien Three, which, in my mind, is kind of an attempt to return to that uh, that sort of isolationist feel mm-hmm. from the first Alien movie, but definitely has its own influences and and its own spins. So. I know that we're probably all pretty eager to talk about the production of Alien 3. I am passingly familiar with that. I know that this film spent a very long time in developmental hell and uh, passed through several hands and even had been in the process of being made before it was passed off to its final uh, set of uh, writers and Mm. and the director, David Fincher. Um, But that's about as far as my knowledge goes. I know, John, you read the um, the unproduced William Gibson uh, script that was adapted into a comic by Dark Horse. Yeah, some time ago. Um, but i tell you who the expert is on this. It's Rich. <laughs> when it comes All right, Rich. <laughs> I wouldn't go for well, t- it. Take it away, man. Walk <laughs> us through this, this nightmare of bullshit yeah. that was Alien 3's production. <laughs> That's such a good way to put it, man. Uh, firstly, I've got to say, I don't think I'm an expert anywhere near. I just think I'm a very passionate fan. Um, I would probably go as far as that. But I think really pre-production-wise, I think you said at the beginning, man, it was a film, it was... A, it, it had a date for the film before it had a film. <laughs> and I think that was the issue straight away with it was they, the, the studio had just finished aliens um, and they had a lot banking on alien three. Like at one point that was the film that was going to save the studio. Um, mm-hmm. It was, uh, and they were expecting big things. They were expecting really big things from it. So straight away off the bat, there was, like you say, there was so many issues. Um, I think they originally um, spoke to Ridley Scott, to come in to help write it um mm-hmm. and i think for whatever reason it, he didn't he didn't want anything to do with it and then john you'll love this they spoke to clive barker oh wow to, to write for it oh, as well wow wow i know right and that could have been a whole other film that would have been you know hellraiser in space um yeah. but he wasn't interested in it at all um he didn't want to do anything to do with it um and then they went to Rennie harlan yeah. Who mm-hmm. um, obviously uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Four, Dream Child, uh, Cliffhanger, or, uh, Die Hard Two, um, and he was the first guy to actually bring Ripley back into it. Before all that, they were they were writing it, but Ripley was never going to oh. be part of the story at all. Oh, I see. Until right. Ren- yeah, until Rennie Harlan got involved, um, and he was the one that decided to, you know he'd like to write her into the story, um, and then. Vincent Ward got on board after that. See, this is there's so many chefs in this kitchen, and that's why it's such a, a hot mess of a film. But when Vincent Ward got on board, um, that's when things really got interesting. And his storyline of the of the wooden planet Alien Three came about. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a story where he was flying from New Zealand, where he lived, to London, I want to say, or maybe LA, um, and he had this little little idea of this wooden planet and that just grew and he wrote the whole thing on the flight and he yeah, pitched these, it to the guys sort of idea of the monks and everything like like yeah yeah, yeah. Well, it was sort of yeah it was like a wooden planet um idea where mm-hmm. um there's all these sort of very religious monks that sort of stayed on this on this planet um and they were all anti 
technology yeah. um, and then obviously no inject this alien alien into it. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think they even referred to it as the alien. They referred to it as, as, as the dragon at yeah. this point um, throughout the whole film. And I think that's sort of touched upon a little bit on the final version. Yeah. Um, Some of that still survives yeah, in, in the film. A lot of it does, man. A lot of it does still. Um, it's got a very religious aspect to it. And I think then for whatever reason, Fox loved the idea at first. And then they kind of went back to him and said, we like this idea, we like that idea, but we don't want this. They couldn't understand the whole wooden wooden planet right. idea, which is quite out there. I've got to say, that's quite, that would have been yeah, a whole other work? thing. <laughs> that would have opened up the universe yeah. to a whole other. It's like a carpentry so version of the Death Star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen it. I would have, honestly, I would have thought it would have been amazing. So. That would have been very strange. Totally, man. Um, so yeah, so they kind of they they took elements of that, and then they kind of they always had in their idea the studio had in the back of their mind this idea of it being like a uh, an oil refinery kind of prison planet. So that was that's really what you see in the final film is a mixture of Vincent yeah. Ward's idea of the religious monks mm-hmm. and these prisoners kind of thrown into one. Well, yeah, and, and the way that their heads are shaved and everything, they almost do seem like yeah. monks. They, they, a lot of the people there are religious in the pretty yeah. much all of them. Um, yeah. have some sort of faith because it's all they've got really you know yeah. um but so fox that... i mean the actual studios were they mm. were they even at that point they weren't given i mean they didn't give david fincher the, their final director that they landed on hardly any control anyway he, they, yeah. he had to report back to them every day but even at that point right. they they weren't happy giving anyone any kind of creative control so at he all. was just a warm body on the set pretty much man pretty much so i mean vincent ward he had an assistant who was helping him with the film obviously um and i think even he got a phone call at one point from a friend of his saying you, you do realize that your assistant is is ringing the studio every day and reporting on <laughs> on what you're doing and what your talents do and he ended up having to fire his assistant because she was basically like a spy for the studio <laughs> Wow, um, it's crazy, man. There are so many stories. If you start looking into the making of it, there are so many stories sure. of, of how it went wrong and how Fox were kind of they were kind of like the Wayland Corporation in a way. They were very, they were a very shut, <laughs> dark, shadowy kind of company that was sort of overseeing the whole of the making of it. Because, like I said, they had a, they had a lot banking on it at that point. Yeah, um, I mean, they started the... to build the. They had to build all the sets and everything without even getting the story. Down. Uh, they they were building sets <laughs> they didn't even know what for <laughs> they, they were making right. sets yeah they were like big massive extravagant you know 50 foot tall yeah uh, amazing sets and they didn't know what they were making it they were filming it before they finished the story or the script wow so str- now and it's interesting <laughs> to point out too or, or rather it's interesting to me that david fincher he was a relatively young guy yeah. mm-hmm. at this point. He was not the David Fincher that that we've all come to know and, and respect. Yeah. Well, some of us respect. I know <laughs> <laughs> he has his, his detractors as well. I as mean, his yeah, fans, fresh but, out of school, this um, guy. Um, so- yeah, yeah. He he had primarily directed music videos. Yeah. I think um, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of funny. He he directed a, a video for a band, A Perfect Circle, which I, oh, yeah. I really admire and enjoy, mm. and. Um, now, this was you know, years after this, of course, but uh, I remember watching an interview with the guys from the band, and they had said that this was all an elaborate ruse to lure David Fincher into directing a music video for them. That <laughs> <laughs> that was the sole purpose of writing and recording the record and touring. Wow, that's and, uh, amazing! I was like, yeah, dude, if, the, <laughs> if if there's one if there's one director that you're gonna have, um, you know, be able to work with, I'd say it would be a 
a toss up for me between Fincher and uh, and Lynch, but mm. that's that's another story altogether. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. But yeah, Fincher. very fairly inexperienced dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd done music videos, uh, and that was that was really it. He'd done maybe one or two short films, I think, but he was really new on the scene. Yeah, um, I think it might be safe to say that that David Fincher, ironically, he's sort of washed his hands of the film now but uh-huh. he probably by my estimation and from what i've learned carried that movie i uh seem to recall reading over the past week or so that he was consistently butting heads with the studio and and arguing mm-hmm. to to make his movie they gave him a job to make a film and then as you mentioned before it was being undermined at every turn and corner mm-hmm. so i'm wondering now if Fincher would not have taken himself as seriously as he did and uh, demanded the respect for his position that ultimately he got if we would even have this movie. Mm, you're right. If you look back at some of the making of it, um, sometimes you look at him, um, Fincher, and he looks like he's having the time of his life. Like he looks generally so happy and he's just having a laugh with everyone. And other times you look back and he's screaming at a lighting guy, <laughs> like constantly, like, do it again, <laughs> do it again. Um, and you can see he's going through hell. And it's it's very apparent that he was because like I say, he was given no control. He was told to make this film and uh, yeah, it was, it must've been a really frustrating time I think for him. Um, And that going on, I mean, aside from the fact that the film was nowhere near finished, like shouldn't have been started when it had, loads of things were leaking. Mm -hmm. Like um, the actor who plays, played Hicks, uh, Michael Bean. Um, Michael Bean. Yeah. yeah. He was, um, he was kind of under the impression that he was going to be in the film. Like, I know James Cameron always said to him during the making of Aliens, talking about Alien 3, him and, and, the, and the, yeah. the girl who played Newt, um, you know, Alien 3 will come about. And it was kind of like a shoe in that they were going to be in that film. And then I think sure. there, there was a picture that got leaked of Michael Bin, Bin's character um, as like a model. Um, and there was a, his chest had been burst open um, like, like an alien had basically come out of it um and that got leaked mm-hmm. back to him through his um manager <laughs> and uh he was not wow. happy i with can't that. even imagine leaks back in that yeah, i know right yeah <laughs> yeah um, it was crazy so yeah and then he um he said Look, what's going on to his manager like they can can they do this can they use my likeness and have an alien come mm-hmm. out of me um and they threatened to, to sue fox at that point um because he wasn't happy wow. with that at all um and in the end they just let him, they didn't go with that because that was the original idea was to have the alien come out of him. Um, Mm -hmm. So they used his likeness for a photo and they let him do, he let them do that. Um, But I think he said that he got paid the same amount for that likeness of that one photo of Alien 3 as he did for the whole of Aliens. That's impressive. Yeah. (laughs) Well done, Michael B. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he got paid very, very little for Aliens. But yeah, by by Alien 3, I think he was so annoyed, he just, he he wanted to take something back from that. I can can well imagine. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of joked about uh, Ryan Johnson and The Last Jedi previously, um, and I can't talk about anything without talking about Star Wars at some point. John is <laughs> probably well aware of this, yeah. but I, I definitely, and this is where I get those vibes with Alien Three because you have this, you have these these previous movies, Alien and then Aliens, uh, both have developed at this point a, a serious following, and then you have these two characters that you, uh, you know, and referring to Hicks and uh, newt 
that you really kind of grow to appreciate. I mean, you went through this this sort of harrowing journey with those characters in Aliens, and you kind of grow attached to them, especially Newt. And then in the opening credits of the assembly cut, at least, I don't really remember the theatrical yeah, the same version in the very original. well, but they're sort of... They're sort of un, you know, there's they're disposed of with with little to no ceremony. So you're just sort of like, well, <laughs> that's that's not where I saw this going at all. It's a punch um, in the so face. So you kind of have, yeah. the, right? Your your expectations were most certainly subverted, I yeah. think. Um, but uh, but yeah, so they're they're interesting in that way. But I kind of feel like um, I kind of feel like it was necessary to tell Ripley's story or give it some sort of cathartic ending which of course we could discuss later um but yeah so do we want to kind of maybe move into the the general synopsis of alien 3 and kind of get an idea of of what that's all about i mean we kind of have established that we've killed off uh michael bean and um or rather i should say hicks and newt and uh ripley's the lone survivor of this this uh the capsule that has been jettisoned because of an electrical fire. And, uh, and that crashes on this, this, uh, prison, this penal colony planet. And she's subsequently retrieved by, uh, Charles dance, brother Noomsy, <laughs> as it were looking fresh off of the golden child. Um, so yeah, so we, we've got this notion that her, her companions have been, have been killed and she wakes up in a very strange place, surrounded by very strange men yeah and uh the story more or less unfolds from there can i just say grayson just before before we do that i'm um, just talking about what you were what you were mentioning there about um everyone dying <laughs> in the, within the first couple sure. of minutes um for me that's it gets your interest but for me that's what i really like about the film is that by the end of aliens she's uh, ripley is kind of stripped away herself from the character she was by the end of alien one um Mm-hmm. I th- I always thought the end of Alien One or Alien itself, Ripley was very much a very strong female hero, a heroine. Um, you know, she ended up being the captain of the ship, and she you know killed the alien. James Cameron, even though I don't get me wrong, I love Aliens, kind of took that away from her. I found throughout Aliens, um, all of a sudden she's a love interest in Aliens um with hicks mm-hmm. and she's a, a a mother identity figure as well with with new and by the end of alien 2 it kind of almost it's not but it is almost like a like a family unit that they've got together these these three characters sure. and it's kind of implied that that's how the rest of the series was going to carry on with these three characters real tight together um you know and ripley's you know she she used to be strong but now she's got these marines around her with all these big guns and uh, and they can protect her and what i love about alien 3 is within the first three minutes finch has gone now nah, fuck that we're getting rid of all of that completely now <laughs> so yeah she's she's no longer a love interest he's dead um the girl she's dead as well let's throw her on a planet full of rapists and murderers um let's shave her head and uh, take away her identity and bring her back to to basics so straight away right off the bat mm-hmm. that's that's truly what i love about about the concept of alien 3 it would have been so easy to do another aliens film with just more aliens, mm. more guns, um, and uh, right. and kept her as this sort of strong character role, but at the same time helped me, you know, with these all these marines around her because the marine aspect was quite a it was a bit of a money maker. 
by the end of Alien 2, they were making, you know, toys out of these Marines, these Marine stories. Oh, yeah. Comic uh, TV series wasn't there? I think, I think there was an animation. Yeah, toy, all kinds of things were going on from it. So the studio were, you know... I had quite a few of those. Yeah, me too, man. I was showing John earlier, actually, this morning. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot banking on that. So it was a really gutsy move just in that aspect to get rid of all of that Colonel Marine story. At first blush, the removal of, at least from my perspective, at first blush, the removal of Hicks and Newt from the story was, as you say, a, a punch in the face. But then it's like, okay, wait, no, this this actually makes for a far more compelling story. Mm. Um, and then, of course, I, I will say that I am not, how is the best way to put this? I am not as emotionally invested in Alien as I am Star Wars, say. So maybe that's why I didn't take it so personally. Mm. Um, but I could see how other people might not care for it. Um, I'm definitely open to that, and and if that is not your bag, I can certainly uh, appreciate that perspective and and respect that opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the prison planet is a very interesting place, and as you said, it it does kind of turn a few ideas on themselves because at first you might say that this is very easily the worst case scenario that, that <laughs> she could have possibly ended up in mm-hmm. um, from you know, from where she was previously. Um, they're, they're, as you said, the antithesis of the, the family unit that had been developing in, in Aliens. But there are a couple of characters uh, throughout or, or on the colony um, that aren't necessarily bad people or people that had done bad things. And I think that that's a very interesting aspect of the story as well. You have... Uh, the character of, uh, I want to say Dylan, Charles S. Dutton, mm. who tells her very frankly that he is a murderer and rapist of women. You know, are, are you sure you want to know me? And the reality of it is he turns out to be one of the, how could we say, um, one of the, the, the good guys, I guess, or one of the morally positive or supportive individuals. Yeah, he's mm. like a leader, you know. Mm. Yeah, well, there's the crazy religious aspect yeah. as well, but <laughs> you know, it, it does kind of turn certain expectations around in that way, and that's something that I appreciate about. I, mean, the film I don't as well, think anybody in this colony is innocent. Like nobody, not even like um, eighty-five, uh, whatever his name is, or, or the uh, the guy who actually runs the show there. You get the impression he is guilty right. of something. You know, why is he there? Like what's mm. he done? That's, yeah, the extreme demotion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what's he done to be to be at this place? Um, right. And you know, even... well, Clemens is pretty clear yeah, as far yeah. he or at least he reveals to to Ripley what what landed him in that. Well, he spot. initially says um, something like, "Oh, I just work here and whatever. I'm not a prisoner." And she's like, "Well, you've got a barcode on your neck." Right. And mm. he has to admit about his. Uh, is, is overdosing of somebody. Oh, it's a great story. So that's actually a, a good place to, to continue. And I do want to pick up on that yeah. story and its relevance to Alien 3 because I am not convinced at this time that that sort of C storyline um, really affects the movie in any way. Uh, you, you guys might feel differently. Um, but Clemens, the, the gentleman we're speaking about, the, the medical yeah. officer... Uh, portrayed by Charles Dance, he's sort of the first individual and perhaps the only individual that Ripley 
um, buddies up to or mm. or warms up to, and he sort of is is he assigned to be her escort? Yes, I don't. Is he? I think he's just kind of he takes it on himself, doesn't he? He finds her and brings her in, and yeah, but Andrews is her. always going like, "What is this woman doing walking yeah, around by herself? <laughs> there are murderers and rapists. We don't need him giving ideas." You know. <laughs> Excellent. <Yeah. impression>, <laughs> we don't want a woman around putting ideas in there. <laughs> I don't want ripples in the water. Okay, so <laughs> that that aspect in and of itself, I think, is worth talking about um, because that sets the stage for a whole lot of oh, tension. Yeah. Um, I was I was more concerned yeah. for Ripley on behalf of the prisoners than I was the Xenomorph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as this movie goes along, and I will say this: the assembly cut of this film is two and a half hours mm-hmm. long. It it is a monster mm-hmm. <laughs> of a film, mm-hmm. um, but it unfolds very slowly and very deliberately. And I could see maybe how that would um, annoy Fox. put some people <laughs> off, perhaps. Yeah. But as it unfolds, it is it is slow and it is very deliberate. I feel. Um, mm-hmm. And as that's happening, that tension is growing that, uh, you know, you you basically got this where a crew of I'm sorry, not a crew, Mm. but um, a facility full of 25 uh, prisoners who are all up to no good and uh, haven't seen a woman in years, as it were. Um, So, yeah, that's that's pretty frightening. Mm. Um, And then, of course, Ripley has the the memory that she carries with her from LV426 and and dealing with the queen and then you know you slap the loss of of newt and uh and hicks on top of that and you've you've got a, a very vulnerable position in like the the most dangerous situation that you could that you could imagine for for someone in her position so mm. that to me right out of the gate is very disturbing well, it's, it's even more disturbing because she doesn't know the cause of the crash right and she's got this horrible fear that you know there could be an alien on board um and that's why she insists mm-hmm. on doing the autopsy on you mm. which... well she has every reason to believe that that's the case yeah that's that's the part Doesn't she, that, she, that upsets she sees an me acid the most. burn i think she sees an acid burn mm. on the cryo tube mm-hmm. um which uh, which leads her to suspect i need to absolutely rule out the possibility that uh that, that um it doesn't occur to her actually that she might be the one impregnated you know what I mean? Right. That's and that's, that is literally what I was yeah. about to say. It doesn't is it, occur to her at all. Is that purposeful, willful ignorance? Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about that, actually? Because that seems so obvious. I think I think it wouldn't necessarily occur. If, if you were in her position, I don't think it would necessarily occur to her that, oh, that it's me. You know, because I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm walking around. Mm-hmm. I'm, the, I'm the survivor here. There was a burn on, on, the, on the girl's cryo bed. Yeah. Um, implying that it was maybe the child so let's do an autopsy on her um but she's walking around and she's the, the survivor and that, that's why i think it wouldn't necessarily occur to her or the rest of the audience to a bit later um because people think well this is mm-hmm. ripley this is the main this this is the main character um she won't die mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no way <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and of course it's fairly early on in the film though isn't it that she starts d- displaying pains and uh, she seems like she's having a tightness in her chest. She, 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 yeah, she mentions right at the beginning of the film that she's uh, got a couple of, you know, 
symptoms and whatever and clements but she puts that to like waking up and cry asleep yes yeah yeah right yeah yeah yeah. he immediately dismisses that and it's not not till a good um i'd say one and a half hours into the movie when she absolutely knows for sure that she's carrying one yeah the second half (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was gonna say technically that's halfway through this (laughs) this version of the film um but yeah that that to me is is very interesting and at first I will say that that was the only negative um, in watching this. I was like, you know, she's been up and at him for, by my estimation, too long to be gestating um, one of the xenomorphs. But we do find out that it's a queen, and I'm willing to create in my headcanon that queens yeah. perhaps take longer to gestate. I mean, it's weird. I always that assembly thought... cut, you'll... you'll see there's a scene where someone actually finds the face hugger on the floor and they lift it up yeah what What's the this? fuck is this <laughs> and um this thing has got like webbed feet uh, webbed legs and it's got like a very it's much fatter it's, it's huge. very dark yeah um it's clearly a special breed of face hugger um and that was almost a throwaway yes. scene and a throwaway you, you line. barely but even you... noticed it but the one you see in the actual original cut of the movie the one the dog is barking at it's a completely different one mm-hmm. so I, it's very very strange where but if you look back at all of the films like they, they all have different yeah digest um periods that uh, it takes gestation periods yeah so a bit, that's it. i always thought that it's sure. because maybe she was in hypersleep for so long maybe that slowed down the whole that makes sense yeah. but yeah. again that's just a theory i mean there, there's nothing's really implied in the film it's just but like i say you can watch one alien film maybe some of the later ones and it's like a matter of minutes <laughs> yeah, before alien it comes versus out. Predator. it's oh, like yeah. Uh, yeah over five yeah, minutes i try not to i try not to remember those <laughs> films or think about them too I much yeah. honestly yeah. <laughs> for me personally after three i think yeah. that's that, that the trilogy for me is quite nice i think after that i it's not worth watching uh, yeah, some of them are fun for a watch and i i won't say that i wouldn't one day put them on just to have them and playing while no, i was course. doing something else yeah. um but that's that's about as far as that as that's yeah. gonna mm. go um so we've got we've got clemens we kind of he's the character that we spend the most time with getting to know him um, as yeah. ripley is the one that that spends the most time with him and i i want to ask about his his story so he's he's the medical officer but he does mention to ripley um, after the two of them lay in their uh, in his cot, as it were, that uh, that he was not a prisoner. Mm. So, how, how do you guys feel about uh, Ripley and her romantic proclivities in this situation? I think, if anything, it kind of it 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 empowers her again because if you watch it back, you'll notice that she uses her sort of uh, sexuality to sort of get out of the the awkward questions that he's asking her, that Clemens is asking mm-hmm. Ripley. Um, so yeah, there is like a romantic interest there, but she kind of has the power with this one. She, it, it's not like right. she's fallen in love with this dude. She, he's asking her very weird questions, very awkward questions that she doesn't want to answer. So she ends up sort of. And she was the first person to deflect. Yeah, she was. Yeah, that is totally. true. So it's again, it's all about empowering her again, um, and and creating her this very strong character that 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 she was originally. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say it's a romantic, uh, like a love interest as such, mm-hmm. but I like the fact she she has that connection with someone else that she doesn't obviously she couldn't have with anyone else on that 
and also planet. Ripley hasn't yeah, been that that does reframe that. I mean, I, Ripley hasn't <laughs> been laid since the maybe the first movie. I'm guessing she had like the odd thing right. with Dallas. Probably yeah. before, so, but you know, and that's the thing the too. As I was watching this, she made it. Uh, <laughs> she made it pretty clear that it had been a long time, and he's like, "Ah, oh, fuck, yeah. it's been a long time <laughs> for me too." So it almost seemed like it was. Uh, what's the best way to put this? It was not necessarily a super intimate or romantic mm. thing, as you said. It was just sort of like, "Ah, now that feels better. We can get back to business." <laughs> yeah. Um, with that situation, I, I wasn't sure if it was going that romantic route because it felt, it still felt very clinical, mm. um, even uh, even after the cot. So I wasn't really sure. Although I will say that by the time you get to, you know, the grown xenomorph and the killing start, and then you know, of course, Clemens gets his melon punched in. <laughs> um, that that really sucked. That's I knew that he died, but. I had yeah, spent so much yeah. time with him previously yeah. and had sort of begun wondering in my mind if he and Ripley were going to, you know, team up mm. and get out of this whole thing. And then it's like, nope. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely That's it. Not. It's another, it's, it's another version of just, yep, no, he's done as well now. Like yeah. as soon as they start getting close, like you say, he gets his head caved in. <laughs> he's the, um, he's the only person who's closest to unraveling, you know, and believing her, she, he's about the only person that's absolutely mm-hmm. on her side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right. once he's gone, she's left to deal with Andrews and eighty-five, and and they are, you know, the Andrews. Yes, less, less warm. warm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. I love that scene between Andrews and uh, and. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, the the Clemens. meeting in the office. Yeah, mm. and I'm mate. I'm holding in my <laughs> yes. hand right now. A little, um, I've got the actual cup. The, the glass, I was going to say, yeah, I the, hear the, the brass, a tinkling. Is that the, the glass? kind of cafetiere style cups? I've got the exact ones in my hand right now. And um, <laughs> I, I just love that scene. You know, we both know exactly what you are. <laughs> I find you unpleasant to be around. <laughs> <laughs> He's so polite. <laughs> he really is. So, and that was the thing about Clemens. I love that character because he, he was so he was so polite and so precise uh yet made no uh there was no subterfuge yeah. you got what he mm. meant with every word that he said but he wasn't a prick yeah, yeah, yeah. which uh which i really appreciate so i was very sad to see him go mm. but at, speaking of clemens he is as you mentioned um the one that started believing ripley because he was one of the first people on the scene of the first uh, alien-induced or influenced death, uh, the guy in the tunnel with the hmm. fan. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was weird because he says, he, he leans down into the hole Hold on a second. where the alien is I hiding. I think we need to go says, back a little bit and discuss the whole ox versus dog thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay, getting into I that see. for, for okay, sure. Go ahead. Um, because this, this leads okay. right into it, actually. The guy, he puts his head into the hole, and he says uh, something to the effect of, yeah. Spike, Spike, is that you? And I think that's the name of yeah. the dog. Mm. Yeah, that, that's correct. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, so, which is totally missing from this cut of the film. So when I was watching that, I was like, well, what the fuck is this? And then it spits acid at him, mm. uh, which seems to be kind of yeah. a new thing. Pretty cool, mm. but uh, he stumbles backwards and then tumbles into the fan and dies. And it's Clemens who notices the burn 
that is so similar to the one in the capsule. So, yes, that brings us back to Spike, the missing dog, mm. from the assembly cut of this picture. Yeah, mm. so in the yeah original <laughs> cut, obviously the, um, the, 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 the face hugger has not been able to... I don't know. I don't know how it's still alive. It's obviously the process isn't quite finished, and it's still got eggs to to plant, and it finds a dog. Um, and then we first suspect this has happened because we've seen the dog barking at the face hugger. The next scene, we we kind of see this guy noticing that his dog's face has been um, cut or something mauled, mauled a bit. Yeah, and he kind of goes, "What?" He, look, he always looks into the camera and goes. What kind of animal would do this to a dog? Um, and it's a really strange thing. And, and then you've got that funeral for uh, mm. uh, Hicks and uh, and Newt, and that's intercut mm -hmm. with the footage of this dog kind of panting and falling over, and its inside spilling out all over the floor. I mean, ga gallons of blood, probably too much blood, probably mm -hmm. the blood that belongs to something big like an ox. Um, <laughs> because in the assembly cut, you can see clearly that the animal that's uh, that's been attacked by the facehugger is actually an ox. And uh, you see these oxes being mm -hmm. used to drag the EEV unit along the beach, you know, and, and uh, Off the, out of the sea. Yeah. Out of the sea. Yeah. Um, and then you see them, these two guys talking about the, uh, oh, what the hell's made this ox? Uh, die oh who cares we're mm -hmm. gonna eat it tonight it's uh you know and then then they find that face like that on the floor um <laughs> what's this well yeah exactly the, I, I do want to mention that scene before we go on because this if there is a theme in this movie that i've i've picked up it seems to be uh yes. birth death, oh yeah and rebirth from so each new the, that yeah, scene says that, something like from each death springs a new life and then intercut immediately with uh, juxtaposed with uh, yeah, you know that chest was very beautifully yeah. done. I think it was an amazing scene. I agree. And then the nosebleed, it all goes together oh, so yeah, well. Oh yeah, Ripley's nosebleed. Yeah. At the same time, the blood comes mm -hmm. in. It's so, like you say, so beautifully shot. It's just, it's, it's edited really nicely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to say that if there was a moment in that film that that's my favorite, it's probably the the funeral for Hicks and Newt and the birth of the Xenomorph. I think I think it's incredible. Mm. And then this little Bambi-like alien comes out <laughs> and starts running around. Yeah. And that's the first time. That's the first yeah. time we see. Oh, an alien takes the form of the genetic pattern of whatever it comes from. Well, that brought that whole thing in yes. before that. That never happened, and that yeah. opened up whole new doors for anything. But yeah, you're right. So the Kenner toys go. Oh, wait a minute, snake alien. Yeah, we can do alien, a lot with this. Fucking monkey <laughs> alien. <laughs> but no, you're right, man. Yes. So the it's it's the um they brought Geiger back in for the design of this one. Yes. Um, he he wasn't on board mm -hmm. with aliens, but they brought him back and they made him redesign a whole new alien, which um in my personal opinion is is the best of all the aliens. It's a lot more animal like. Um, it's walking on all fours. Yeah. It's running around the place. It's climbing up on walls. Um, it's, uh, it's it's scary. It's it's not like a sort of a half humanoid, which is quite scary anyway. But yeah. this very much animalistic um, dog ox kind of fast one is, is for me the, the the favorite. And you can't forget they with this filming of this they they created a new kind of special effect called mo motion, which is kind of a mixture of stop motion animation 
and real life, which sometimes works and sometimes looks really, really fake. Yeah, there's a um, bit of puppetry involved as well, isn't there? Like marionettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of puppetry. And, um, and it creates lots that... Lots of uh, like big prosthetic heads for the alien and things like that. The special effects, mm-hmm. by the way, were done by Chris Cunningham. Who mm. went on to be yeah to really? went on to do all of the Aphex Twin music videos and some yes. of the some of the most He's incredible, incredible prosthetic um, work like rub, rub, the Rubber Johnny one for example is like mind blowing and um, Come to Daddy and things like that hmm. um, yeah he's uh, there was a I think it's Criterion collection that I had um, it was I all had of that his too he did that, that amazing yeah I had really? that DVD too uh, he did that amazing one for Bjork. All is full of love. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I still don't know love. how that was yeah, done it's in, in, in its time. No idea how mm. the hell they made that. But anyway, I've just wanted to flag. Well, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I yeah. Did he's not the guy. He's the guy. Very young, and it has like, like Fincher. Awesome. That iconic scene of the alien facing Ripley's head, and yes, was about to bite her. That's like for me. I think that's oh, the wow. most. That's the iconic scene for all of the films. When you think of Alien, you think of that one scene where it's it's there, like an inch away from her face. Yeah, you might. Be <laughs> yeah, um, really, really great shot, a great, great moment, and it's also worrying because it's the first suggestion that she might have one inside her. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah, would, why, why wouldn't, it, wouldn't kill it kill her? Yeah, totally. Yeah, mm. so true. Um, but yeah, that alien is—it's really different. And if you look back at the again, I mentioned the other films, but the other films after that, they're running around on all fours, and they've taken yeah. a lot from Alien yeah. Three. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people assume now, when you when you talk about an alien, that it's this sort of you know dog-like alien. But that only came in in three. That was never around before. That they came up with right. this whole new concept um, of this of this animal alien um, that we see today. So, no, that that is incredible. I, I I could see too how this is one of those movies that, despite how it was received initially, and if I did my reading correctly, it I don't think it did terribly when it when it was first released i think that it it wasn't until probably after we got into the the later films that alien 3 was looked at most unfavorably i mean is that incorrect or how how did that yeah you're right it did it did it went it did okay it did well i mean the budget the budget was 50 60 million yeah and the 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 box office take uh for for this came in at um, like 175 million so I, mean, I think a lot of people. A lot yeah, of, so oh, it wasn't yeah. a flop. Well, a lot of people <laughs> went to go see it and they hated it. <laughs> I think that was the problem. It was a ah. film that people loved to hate um, because it wasn't Aliens. Everyone mm. was expecting another Aliens film, and it wasn't that at right. all. Like they were yeah. taken in a whole new direction, and that's why when you go into a, a theater and you sit down and you're expecting a certain film, and it turns out to be a very experimental film, nothing like what you're expecting, mm-hmm. you're bound to not like it um, because it's not what you want ultimately they wanted another aliens um but sure. once you get past that hurdle then you can truly appreciate it for what it is yeah um yeah and that's that's why i i mentioned that because i think that this is one of those movies that once some some time some distance has been placed between its its release and now it's one of those films that seems to be um i don't want to say that it has this huge resurgence because i haven't really seen it grow in popularity elsewhere mm. but just in speaking with friends and acquaintances, it's one of those, uh, as as you guys mentioned, and, and you know, this is sort of what spurred or I guess inspired us to do Alien 3, is that it's one of those movies that you're like, oh, remember that? Yeah, wasn't it not good? 
And then, <laughs> and then you see it and you're like, wait, no, this is actually fucking amazing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I do enjoy that aspect of it. Certainly. Now, we we have we have our our, our canine xenomorph creature, mm. and I, I will say that once that ki- once the killing starts in this film, uh, I, it's still as if the alien is um, a, a tertiary aspect of the movie. Mm. Um, it seems like it's really Ripley against the the colonists. Or, or the prisoners, mm-hmm. and and then it seems to kind of come back around where it's okay. It's it's everyone against the alien, but the journey from that point A to point B again is still exceptionally. Uh, I don't want to say slow because slow, unfortunately, has a, a, a negative connotation. Um, plotting and deliberate is still the only way I think <laughs> I can put it, so that mm-hmm. it's accurate but not necessarily a negative i mean could the film have moved a little faster yeah probably but but did i feel like anything was lost um or did i feel like anything um occurred that i didn't need to see to enhance my appreciation of the film no i think it was exactly as long as it needed Mm. to be i agree and the the the, one of the big factors in that kind of toing and throwing thing is the um the, 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 this character played by Paul McGann, Golic, who is mm-hmm. so that yeah he was he, the he's crazy found man. early on covered in blood and they think oh this guy gotcha. is nuts, uh, he's obviously murdered another prisoner. Well, he's not murdered them; he witnessed their murder by the xenomorph. He now believes that this mm-hmm. thing's a dragon, and what the what the original cut didn't really show you was that this guy was kind of working with the alien. But like, what happened to him in the original? He just disappears. Yeah, he just disappears. I mean, you don't really f- see see him again after a certain scene. Um, the thing with Golic, it's, they, sorry, John, just to interrupt, but really yeah, quickly, I, I was reading. I was reading this morning how um, when they were making that film, there was so many changes that went on. Um, yeah. David Fincher told him to change his accent mid-film. Yes. So you see <laughs> some scenes. He's talking in this really kind of hmm. British Liverpudlian accent. Yeah, and yeah. then all of a sudden he completely changes his uh, his his accent to something completely different. And for me, that's kind of what the whole film is. It's kind of like a bit of a, a bit of a hot mess. It kind of doesn't really make sense. And if you watch the the, the theatrical version, the Golic story doesn't make sense at all because that dude just disappears. Yeah. And he he was of such an interesting right. character, but he's just gone all of a sudden. Um, it's really sad, I think. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because that was that was the the aspect that I wanted to discuss next, um, but, you know, and that was sort of you know by, by way of saying that the development is somewhat um, somewhat slow and takes its time. It 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 is, but it does some very interesting things. That like Gallic that character is in my mind probably one of them because it it takes a a notion of the xenomorph and turns it into something completely different and now we're almost looking at things from like this weird like almost lovecraftian point of view yeah 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 oh definitely or at least from his perspective not and i don't think that's the the perspective that the film is offering but you're able to kind of crawl 
a bit inside this crazy person's mind yeah. and see see things from his point of view and to me you fuck, could imagine reading uh, like a lovecraft story written from the perspective of golic you know like i was in mm. i was going to the pipes and whatever and then we saw the dragon and it took my 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 uh, colleagues you know and i made it out with covered in their blood yeah yeah and that's that's exactly yeah. the way i perceived it because he he gets to this point where, you know, you take that that uh, that old adage or that old quote, you know, if you stare long enough into the abyss, the abyss stares mm. back at you. And he, like he kind of gets this sort of obsession slash connection to it. And he feels like he has to be a part of whatever it's doing. And and to me, uh, <laughs> that was just that was that was truly terrifying and truly horrific, yeah. because as he's being he's put into a straitjacket and he's in the. Uh, in the medical ward and his he basically coerces his guard who who was oh, his friend yeah, yeah, yeah. you know by saying oh wasn't i always oh, your yeah. friend well, didn't i always give you cigarettes first and you kind of had like this almost smeagol golem this thing is Morse, isn't it? um he betrays Morse. yeah uh, yeah, yeah i think that's the character yeah he doesn't kill him but he clocks yeah. him over the head after and you're like oh god he's loose yeah and he they had managed to trap yeah. the alien in into this uh, this waste, this waste pit, system. which I find is yeah. scary because once they once they trap it, it's all of a sudden it's going to escape, kind of thing. Whereas before it was around yes. the place and it was it was doing what it does, but all of a sudden mm-hmm. the storyline goes so they've trapped it now. So now you're on the edge of your seat, like it's well, going to escape at some point. It's going to yeah. happen, and you've got um, another threat that happen. comes in right. here as well because at yeah. this point when you've got the alien trapped. There's a bigger threat coming, and that is the company are coming, mm, you know, and we've yes. got to destroy the creature because they're going to use it to for the bioweapons division. They may as well come in and, like, you know, exterminate everybody here, kill all the witnesses. You know, mm. they are coming to, to basically make sure this thing, the first priority you know, is this mm. thing's survival. Sure. So Which is always the way with all the films, isn't starts it? To loom. And I love the way you yeah. keep on getting these little catch-up shots of where they are. They're, like, mm. coming. With the, uh, like, on, on the, the, computer, the computer. But then you get a shot of them, sort of, you get a shot of them arriving in orbit. They're coming, yeah. And then you get yeah, a yeah, shot yeah. of them sort of coming in with the wind and everything, and it's like, oh, now they're coming. They're walking down the, the ramp. <laughs> they're going they're <laughs> the gate open and stuff. <laughs> where yeah. is Commissar Ripley? Yeah. You know, I, I love that. And then, of yeah. course, you get this, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll save it up for you. I'll save it up for you. <laughs> I've got to say, I mean, something that I've noticed after watching it um, more recently is like these prisoners, obviously, they've taken on this sort of new type of religion. But I find there's there's a religious yeah. aspect that undertones the whole way through the film, um, whereas you find at the beginning, there's this, obviously there's Ripley who almost falls from the heavens into Fury 161, um, into what can only be described as the, it's the closest thing to hell that you can get yeah. in a sci-fi setting yeah, yeah. um residing with these with these prisoners who are like i say the worst of the worst who are waiting for this kind of apocalypse to come about so they can be redeemed and, and rise to their version of heaven um and the apocalypse mm-hmm. comes in the form of ripley whose femininity disrupts the balance and tempts these prisoners um and she brings with her you know the alien or the beast or the dragon or the devil or whatever you want to envision right. it as you've very very much got the the uh the, the sort of uh, there, yeah. thelemic uh, yeah and then this 
horror of Babylon totally, scenario. Totally, man. I mean, this beast comes down and, and works as almost like a test for the prisoners by means that they can be redeemed. They sort of look at it as like, right, we can do something here. Um, so they make a sort of conscious decision to face the beast head on um, and to give their lives mm-hmm. to stop it, you know, from becoming property of the company. Um, and Ripley and the prisoners are almost like a Christ-like, don't get me wrong, I'm not religious too, but a Christ-like kind of figure taking punishment that's meant for mankind because if you think about it if the company gets hold of this mm-hmm. alien it's going to come down to earth and it's going to kill everyone right. and it will yeah it's like, maybe it the was, it was the best <laughs> the whole of the human earth maybe the and company everyone... is is just a metaphor for fox as well and the idea well, that's that what they're... I said, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then if you think about it yeah. I, said, I said this to you earlier john the, the they all die apart from morse who's this character who's made a deal with god to live forever yeah I as, think they, as meant, they say in the film yeah yeah but i think um, everybody's made that deal you know it's the kind of whole uh, i've always assumed that the, what they practice is kind of like a version of um somewhere between catholicism and um evangelism so mm. it's something to do with like kind of you know uh, i'm saved and jesus has saved me and i've repented to jesus but the, mm. the idea of the celibacy as well very kind of catholicy I would be interested to dig into that a little bit further. And I'm wondering if that, if the religious aspect, and when I say religious, I don't necessarily mean the themes, but the actual religion oh, yeah. itself. Yeah. I wonder if it had been fleshed out enough for the film that there is some something of substance there that we could... Well, they could, well, the, the, they the, could the, have done more. The, the funeral service, the reading, you know, the, the, the service is very sort of C of E, isn't it? And it's a very English film. I mean, it's, it's it's not. I think it's a whole other religion, though, isn't it? It's like a whole yeah. brand new religion they've come up with. Yeah. Whereas they're, they're mm-hmm. waiting on this rock for what they believe to be is the apocalypse, um, and they're just there to live out their last few days because they truly believe that's that's going to happen. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's not like a typical. It's a sort of a type of Christianity, I think, but it's, yeah. it's something a little bit different. Yeah. It's like a futuristic new religion that they come up with. Sure. Um, which means they are going to stay there because I think before don't they all choose to stay there? Um, they so have the whole place done. gets shut down. Yeah, they, they have did. minimal yeah. staff there. So yeah. I think Clement says, you know, when they stayed, I stayed. Um, so that's why there's only very, mm-hmm. very minimal staff there. It's just those 25 prisoners, and they just choose to spend out their last few days, well, from what they believe, there to make a means for what they've done. Or well, that's how I imagine it anyway. Yeah, I you know, I'm I'm actually really glad that we chose to do this because I I I came off um just before I watched this and uh, and, and and after I talked to John actually. Um I started thinking about Alien again because I I did Alien on the show with my dad and uh, I listened to a really cool um sort of deep dive podcast um involving alien and some of the symbolism in that picture mm. and i and i see that alien and alien three are kind of the bookends mm. <laughs> as it were to to the to the trilogy because the second one you know i love aliens i think it's a fucking rad mm. movie and i could just watch that movie over and over and over again but it is an action yeah. movie with not that much substance Whereas Alien is is rife with all sort of of uh, metaphor and symbolism, yeah. uh, just the idea of of alien something being in you that is is not of you. Um, then you have you know the uh, the sort of feminine overtones 
in Alien, everything being sort of yeah, yeah, womb-like. Yeah, the motherhood, the fear of... And then focusing on the idea... Of growing inside Yeah, the ship you. is yeah, the mother, yeah, yeah. and the then... The ship's the mother, yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> you... So it's... You have these two films that are just rife with symbolism, and none of it, in my mind, is heavy-handed. Mm. Um, so I, I'm very glad that we decided to, to talk about this film, because, number one, I was just pleased to see it in a new light, and as we said before, it's almost a completely different movie from the theatrical cut. But also, just having sort of unpacked this a little bit and had a chance to kind of um, bounce some of my ideas off you guys and then hear your ideas, I'm, I'm really starting to see how this is a far more realized mm. picture than uh, than I had initially perceived Rich, can it I just find out, have you read the Alan Dean Foster book for this? I've not myself. Novelization. Not all of it, and I have. It was a long time ago. Um, yeah, I might give it another. I might drag it out, give it another go because I'd love. You can to get it on audiobook, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, apparently, I've heard that it's basically the assembly cut. Mm, this was pretty a, much from yeah, what I remember, it is a yeah, more yeah, extended, yeah. more round, and it might, uh, Grayson, it might actually be worth looking into to get more info about the religious. Yeah, aspects. I think so because that those are the only two productions outside of this movie. I think there's the William Gibson. Uh, yeah. Dark Horse yep. comic, and and then the audio mm-hmm. production. So yeah, I definitely need. Alan Dean Foster's uh, always good at details, you know. Mm. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to have to dig into that for sure because it is interesting. And and again, I'm very thankful that that we were able to do this. Um, I do want to sort of focus for uh, for a time on on an aspect of of the film that we have talked about briefly here and there but i think that it is a major component um not only of this movie but overarching um and throughout the franchise and that is Waylon yutani uh the corporation that uh that the nostromo worked for and then subsequently the uh the lead uh lead smelting operation on this this prison Mm. colony yeah um so they're kind of like the the shadowy. They're they're not necessarily the bad guys, but they are the they they are the uh, gosh. What's the best way to say this? Not not evil empire. <laughs> Just that they're the evil corporation. They're, they're the evil. They corporate are the faceless kind of corporation. Yeah, that their logo is on Behind, everything uh, across all three movies. Right. I would um, say they are pretty evil. They don't care about human life at all. They just well, they yeah, just care about right. the weapon, from, don't they? Yeah. We know this from Burke, you know, right. in the previous movie, mm-hmm. and we know this from Ash in the first movie. They have always mm. stopped at nothing to sure. get their way. Wayland as a corporation, though, has been faceless, mm. and that's what I really mean when I say that it's not necessarily evil because it's not a person. We only see yes, representatives. we just see guys in suits. Um, um, or their yes, agents. That's right. Whereas in this see... film, it kind of comes to mm. a head. We see, uh, we see Bishop. His name's what, Bishop, what Bishop name? Two. Uh, Bishop so Two. So confusing. Yeah, Bishop Two. He the refers human. to himself as Bishop Two. He says, "I'm Bishop." Uh, he never refers to himself as Wayland or anything like that. Mm. Um, and again, I think we need the novel to sort of clarify this if, if we want to be absolutely yeah. sure. But have no mistake, this guy is not a robot. Like <laughs> you can smash his face in. And... Right. He says he designed him, doesn't he? Yes. At yeah. one point, yeah. Yes. So that's that's what I was thinking. His name's like, God, what is it? Is it Charles Bishop Wayland or Peter? Peter Wayland, I think, was the name of the character in Mm. Prometheus. 
Um, I think you're right. I'm not sure yeah, where the bishop God. comes into it. Yeah, I'm going to have to kind of go back and and dig this up because it's it it is spelled out at some. Oh, he's point in. All, he's and, also in one of the Alien vs Predator the, films, isn't he? Lance Henriksen. Yeah, that, that makes. <sighs> yeah, it does. Remember. It makes no sense at all. The um, timeline is all over the place at that point. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, Carl Bishop Wayland. This this is according to the Xenopedia page, <laughs> and I I grew up thinking that that was the head of the Wayland Corporation. So that doesn't necessarily mean that I was correct, um, but Carl Bishop Wayland is noted as as the senior director of the Wayland right, Botanic okay. Corporation. So there's plenty to unpack, and I'm sure we can all three of us yeah. dive into that. But uh, but yeah, so that's what's interesting to me is like you you kind of it now has a mm. face. And, and at least as far as this film is concerned, it has a face and it is a person. It's just dawned on me. Sorry, it's just, it's just dawned on me that at this point, Ripley, sure. when you add up the time difference between Alien 1 and 2, you know, this is, uh, mm-hmm. he must be like the grandchild of the original Wayland. <laughs> yeah, don't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm of the understanding that several yeah, decades okay. have yeah. passed. Yeah. Um, and and in, in God the film, knows how but, long they slept uh, because for between, what, between two and three. Yeah, it was like fifty years, right? Or in the between yeah, one and two, because she had a daughter. Sixty-seven between and one and two. I don't know okay. how many between uh, t- uh, two and three. We're gonna have to. Well, they kind of they, matter of months during the well, no, because during the autopsy, when they start talking about cholera, uh-huh. the doc Clement says, mm-hmm. "Oh, there hasn't been a oh, case yeah. of cholera in two hundred years." So that must give you right. a rough idea of. I, mean, I, I think you mean cholera, in terms uh, of yeah. in terms of you know humanity. Yeah. Uh, so when you know during the events of Alien, there wouldn't have been a case of cholera for a hundred years. You know. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So right. there must be what well, yeah, a hundred years or so has passed. Right. It's been. A <laughs> Sorry, we've totally gone way <laughs> off suffi- course suffi- here. Suffi- <laughs> Grayson was going somewhere. It's been a while. With, uh, yeah. Uh, not really. I, I think I, I I was, but I had I had arrived and was probably still talking for for no good reason. <laughs> the thing about the bishop mm. thing that I've always thought is is interesting. Initially, in Aliens, Ripley's very suspicious of Bishop, mm-hmm. and you spend the whole movie gradually getting this realization. There's loads of bits in the movie hints that Bishop is is evil, like you know, Bishop. Hello, what are you doing? He's like looking, doing the autopsy on the face. Like, mm-hmm. Fascinating, isn't it? Because yeah, androids are evil, aren't they? From the yeah. first, they're, right, they're, they're yeah. sneaky and evil. But right at the end of the movie, you you understand. Okay, the guy is actually good and whatever, and it's a shame he's all been ripped up and whatever. And then he helps mm-hmm. Ripley again in this film. Mm-hmm. So you've built mm-hmm. up all this trust, and then which is amazing. The puppet that is out. incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yes, that is really really good with that with that eye. Oh God, yeah. <gasps> I, lo- I love the sound of. It. Of its final breath and the way that his arm is flapping yeah. around and that kind of gargled breathing. <laughs> yeah, that brilliant. was again that was troubling. credit to Chris Cunningham. Amazing lifelike uh, replica of Lance Hendrickson's face. I don't know how they did it. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I was, was I, I was watching that and I kept that was actually the scene that I was waiting for because it's the one that yeah. stuck out in my mind the most. And my wife was sitting next mm. to me um, working on the the star Wars cards that she's doing for, uh, for those people. And she looked up 
but she looked at me and she was just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, that is, that is horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. well, yes, they had a lot is. of time to, to make those, those, those figures because they had like, I think that was like a six month period during uh-huh. the making of the film where they didn't have a clue what they were doing. It was like a six month break. Um, so just to keep all the special effects guys in jobs, they just worked solely on things like Bishop and uh, and the new figure for, for the autopsy. They spent a lot of time on making those figures perfectly. Um, it says which is here why uh, on IMDb amazing. that Carrie Henn, who played Newt in the second film, mm. is, is, is actually cast. She's on the cast sheet and she's simply called LV426 Survivor. Hmm. I think because they had to use her, they used her likeness, didn't they, on like a photo? Or was it her, her likeness, likeness on the, uh, Maybe. Yeah, it was only her likeness yeah, that, that they were. The same with Michael Bean. If that okay. if that was not a real person on the slab in the morgue, I I'm I'm impressed. Oh, yeah, I'm incredibly it, impressed. It, it definitely wasn't the same girl though. It was it wasn't no, the same girl. It I mean, was a model. It, it was, was a model, man. I'm telling years. you. That that's that was a model. Really? That is insane. Yeah, hundred no percent. Look, look at the making of it. There's there's a documentary. You can get it on YouTube. It's the like eyes? an hour long documentary. And uh, yeah, they made that. That was a model. I'm telling you, that is impressive. It was a model. Wow, and it was nuts. Man. Yeah, it's crazy. It's they spent so much time on it. I will say um, that uh, that scene in particular in the morgue when uh, when they pull Newt out of the fridge, that was um, extremely troubling. Um, but oh, the I sound! You should the see sound, the... the little well, it's it builds uh, up, and then there's silence, and then you hear this kind of it's a, it's a... yeah. No, he's pulling the well. It's... The, the, apparently, the originally apart. they uh, apparently originally when they showed it to a test audience when it was a three-hour-long film, yeah, that one scene, that autopsy scene, was much, much longer, and apparently much, much gorier. Yeah, and that's and, why uh, that's apparently... why he's covered in blood after. Yeah, the... well, people were walking out during that point. Yeah. when they were cutting her open apparently oh, um, i don't know if you can still see it but apparently it's horrific right um same with the dog scene apparently there's like yeah. really horrific scenes that they just they couldn't keep in it's right just too too much <laughs> that, uh, and that's um, and that's the thing i mean it, it, it might be i mean i found that you know since i've become a dad things like that are much harder to watch you know as before you're just like oh what the fuck ever yeah. you know um, but now it's it's incredibly disturbing but i Apart from that, in that scene, I think the thing that upset me the most was probably one of the most trivial uh, and seemingly insignificant, and that is that that they had taken time to place flowers next to the um, next to the drawer, so they they actually wow. had had paid some kind of respect and tried to make it kind of pretty. <laughs> You know, and um, I felt yeah. like that, that that small detail, nice detail. right there meant nice a lot mm. to me because I'm thinking that it was probably Clemens um, mm. that did that because everybody else does seem a little bit more callous and, and less apt to do something um, that thoughtful. So, I didn't notice that. I'm going to have to look out for that. Yeah, it's I mean, it's really small, like I said, but it's I was like, oh, <laughs> that's that's actually pretty heartbreaking. <laughs> Um, yeah. but yeah, that scene was, was extremely intense. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's full of that though. It's, it's, it's full of, of small moments like that, that, that all come together to, to make this film something really special, I think. Mm, I yeah. think so. Even the way it's filmed, like the, the, the camera angles, if you're paying attention, it's a lot of it's filmed from, from below looking yeah, up. Yeah. Dutch angles and mm-hmm. stuff. And obviously when we go into the, um, the, 
and it's the first the time you see that the point of view of the alien well. yeah, yeah yeah totally like you've never seen that before right. you see it running around on the walls and stuff like you, yeah before then you've never seen a pov of an alien before exactly um so because you I, I i used to believe or i always believe they don't have eyes it, it's done with sense and whatever yeah. um mm. Even though there are eye sockets on the bones of the alien, there's no visible eyes. So mm. it obviously does have some sort of vision because mm. you see that, you know, and that's great when it's like sort of right behind them. Some cases it catches them, some cases doors come right down before it gets to them. They used that so uh, good. for the AV. I don't know if you guys played the, the AVP game on PC. Oh, yeah. It was probably yeah, like 90, 93 or 94 that came out, or maybe 95, mm-hmm. some, somewhere in that neighborhood. But yeah, that's the the sort of perspective that they kept whenever you'd play the xenomorph and you, know, you could, you could hold control to, to stick and then you could run full tilt through tunnels and just sort of run yeah, up the walls and the ceiling as you were pursuing people. <laughs> God damn. That game yeah. was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah I remember That was good. It was very fun. I mean, I, I don't know if I played it now, if I would be as impressed, but, but at the time, I really, <laughs> yeah. I really got into it because it, it was, was almost... fun on a six hundred by four hundred. Well, it was, monitor, it yeah. was like a, <laughs> it was immersive, and I, and I found like yeah, the, the role playing aspects of it was very cool. Like for for example, if I was the predator, I would take out all the lights, and uh, yeah. you know, yeah. hunt, yeah, hunt yeah. down the marines. God damn, it was good. But anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, I I don't really um, I don't really have anything else that that I have to, to add about this picture. I think, um, I think it's incredibly <clears throat> solid. I think it's, as I said before, I think it's as long as it needs to be. Um, mm. in fact, I think yeah. that over the course of our conversation, my appreciation of this movie has, has expanded tremendously. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, it, I, I think it's one of those films that everybody dismisses. Um, and I, yeah. I think that a huge amount of people had probably got the alien um, quadrilogy or whatever you call it, box mm-hmm. set. Uh, some people, some of those people would not even be aware that there's this amazing alternative cut of the film. It's in there, you know, among the special features. Um, mm. It was a, it was a while before. I remember. I remember. I think I told you, didn't I, Rich, when I discovered it? That like, you've got to see this. You've got yeah. to see. Yeah, you've got to find I remember. Set and watch the assembly cut. I mean, you won't believe the difference. Yeah, and, it's uh, really sad. There are people that don't know about it still. That they've just dismissed yeah. it on what they've seen originally, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. um, and when they, when me, they put I... this film on TV, trust me, they're not going to be showing the assembly cut. They're oh, going to be showing no. the, <laughs> no, the definitely not. version. Um, definitely not. A little bit for of me, it completely... on this. There's also two of the characters. Sorry, two of the actors of the main characters from Withnail and I are in this. You know, you've got Paul McGann. And yeah. you've got uh, the guy who played 85. I've forgotten his name. Um, oh, yeah. He's brilliant. I had to what be I love about him. their own shoes, that guy. I, yeah, I love 85. The um, the fact that he's the whole way through the film, he's like this sort of wimpy kind of stupid yeah. character. Yeah. But then right at the very, very end, man, he steps up. Yeah, right yeah that's end, right. He sacrifices. he sacrifices himself and just jumps in there. Just He just does it. He just like sees that opportunity. And he just does it. He steps up to, to you know, against the, the Whaling Corporation and he just does it. And that's awesome. I love the fact how it takes him a while to get into the gear of it because mm-hmm. he keeps talking about how he's going to go home on the next shift. I have like a wife and kid. He's, he's, not, he's not involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a wife and um, kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. from Total Recall. 
I got five kids to feed. <laughs> <laughs> but he does step up, man. He does it at the end, and it's 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 awesome. Um, the one thing that I just want to say about the, about the whole film is the way it just mirrors the first film completely. Mm-hmm. It goes back to being really a really dark, gritty film. One alien, no weapons, or very very little weapons, or just just fire. Really. We are fucked. Um, yeah, yeah. Fucked. No officer, running, Ripley, running you're around fucked. dark, you know, dark tunnels and stuff, and um, and you know, and just trying to fight this one entity um that's you know a threat to to everyone there and that's what i love about it is it just mirrors the first film if you watch it completely um but a much more dark gritty scarier version oh, yeah. I and right right down to the final sounds of it of <clears throat> uh, ripley's voice mm. signing off you know yeah yeah totally it's just like a really dark horrible version of that i know they um at the very very end they they were really they weren't sure what they were going to do because the whole uh, ripley sacrificing herself at the very end and jumping into that yeah lead works um they they weren't sure if they were going to do that because at that point terminator 2 hadn't come out yet uh, but they, yeah. they, they they'd heard <laughs> that he also does the same thing so they weren't sure what they were going to do with that which is why there were two different versions of the ending one where she jumps in and just dies and one where she jumps in and the queen bursts out of yeah. her and they were like yeah. well if we if we change it so it bursts out of her at least that's a little bit different and they, no one can accuse us of of you know nicking that that idea it's a very Um, lo-fi effect though isn't it of her sort of falling into the fire it doesn't look it's not great is it did you know at this point they had to give her a bald cap as well because um yeah she her hair had grown back and she was refusing to shave it again oh wow oh no no she wasn't refusing she she said she'd do it for forty thousand dollars yeah, me, oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it takes so much to grow back, and obviously she was losing work, I'm guessing, because of it. So she did say, like, I'll do it again, but for a bonus of $40,000. Wow. Um, and obviously, because they weren't, it was so badly yeah, planned. over budget. They were like, no, nah, it's fine. Yeah. We, don't, we don't need to get her back. It's fine. We've done everything we need to do. And they're like, oh, okay, we need to put some more scenes with her in it. So <laughs> but I think they ended up spending like $12,000 on this amazing headpiece that was all handmade. That's insane. Um like hand yeah. put in all these little bits in um yeah. just for that one particular but it you know it saved them money i guess a little bit in yeah. the end so <laughs> that's what they did i think um, um but i i love the fact she dies at the end yes i just think that's that, that's that, that, like you say the book ends that's the, the the ending of it yeah um and it just goes to show she's not going to come back there's nothing else to it it's just it stands alone and i think a lot of people are quite uncomfortable with that especially nowadays you know you want to see things continue and you want to see, you know, more movies and sequels and mm-hmm. all these things. And actually, it it just ends it right. beautifully. So the Ripley and... clone kind of undermines that in a lot of ways. I yeah, think so. I mean, it's an interesting idea that they would go to the... It was a natural progression that they would take her blood samples that were collected, mm-hmm. that they would then go to the limit, the, 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 the lengths of um, presumably years and years and years later decades later like trying to separate her from the actual alien sure well i mean it, it gave <laughs> um, us yeah. it gave us brad Dourif in an alien movie so i'm not unhappy which is, about yeah that. i mean alien, <laughs> I, I do have problems with alien resurrection but it's um it does have brad a the only redeeming factor that weird yeah. thing at the end is just <laughs> it's, oh it's that baby thing yeah, yeah. Uh, so but you guys i think you both mentioned that it's worth looking at alien one through three as its own trilogy 
and then sort of looking mm-hmm. at four and everything else that came after that as sort of extraneous. Um, I, I, yes. I think that at the beginning of our conversation, uh, we had all kind of in, in different ways mentioned that, uh, you know, the, the first and third movies really tie it together. And, and in my mind, um, and Rich, you had said also that there were aspects of Alien 3 that demonstrated Ripley um, empowering herself and taking power back. And I think that this is like the mm-hmm. it's the ultimate way to do that, because you're you know, as Ripley, if you were in her position, you know, you are saying, you know, I'm going to take my life and the life of this creature. And mm-hmm. that's my decision. And you can't stop me. And then she does it. She gives up her life. She destroys the alien and presumably um, the species. I mean, we don't know that, obviously, but at least from her perspective, mm. um, it's the ultimate sacrifice, isn't it? Really? Right. It's what she does for, for, for humanity. Like I say, to stop that from getting to Earth. Right. She does that final, she, the ultimate sacrifice she does. Yeah, because, she I mean, the bomb, the bomb, the nuclear bomb on uh, LV-46 would have wiped out the aliens there. So this is literally the last surviving mm-hmm. speck mm. of it. Um, uh, there's only one major issue with this movie, as far as I'm concerned, which which is the, the egg thing at the beginning, mm-hmm. which just doesn't have any explanation. Um, and The egg thing? What do you mean? The egg yeah, thing? There's at the, an egg egg the, the first to... shot you see of the movie oh, is yeah, the yeah, egg yeah. In the, uh, aboard the Stalaco, which Yeah, which that's a little plot impossible. hole. I mean, if you think about it, it's It probably, would have made more well, sense if the alien was inside um, uh, Newt, because she had actually been in the colony you know that's true yeah well there was i mean there's the end scene of aliens where there's i don't know i'm guessing there's enough time when she's fighting the queen that at some point the queen popped out an egg and stuck it to the <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it seems it like the to queen... the bed area the sleeping area of the uh... I, I think yeah, it's reasonable right. to assume that the queen would always be looking for a contingency i mean because if it's yeah. you know if, yeah. if survival is your number one priority and i'm i'm thinking that these things possess uh, some kind of intelligence obviously a hive intelligence but you know if survival mm. is your number one priority again head cannon um but <laughs> that or ship <laughs> yeah that's also possible um that is that is one thing I, I, i'm glad you mentioned that too i did want to touch on that um before we wrap up the conversation, but uh, Bishop being uh, eviscerated and then plugged back in. We, we talked about it briefly, but that scene was particularly terrifying to me yeah. um, because they, they made it a point to suggest that Bishop wanted to die. And yeah, and again, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll never be top of the line again. Yeah. He, mm. he's, he's an, he's an Android. So, does that even matter? Like, does death matter? It matters to him. And that, that mm. kind of gives me the willies, <laughs> as it were, because it's like, well, how you true. Know, do androids dream of electric sheep, et cetera, et cetera? Um, you know, is there a, I'd rather be nothing. Yeah. Is there a, that's fucking yeah. existential as shit. <laughs> it really upsets wait, me. Wait, wait, wait. He prefers the term, you know, artificial person. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Artificial person. <laughs> I don't want to be derogatory yeah. at all, but uh, but yeah, that... wouldn't it be great at the end of the before. movie if 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 Ash had just turned up in person, saying, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just signed. I've got this rolled up porno I'll... mag here. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, think 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 about it though, in terms of uh, just in terms of everything that we've discussed, sort of right. with the the religious aspect of the film and. 
um, you know, just the, the the symbolism that we've discussed, the, resurrection. the birth, death, rebirth, resurrection, and then you've got this mm. artificial person uh, who is expressing, expressing, excuse me, under no uncertain terms that he would rather be dead. And that, to me, kind of, it doesn't throw a monkey wrench into things, it just gives you one more thing to ponder, I suppose. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I never really thought about that before, but um, yeah, he says that uh, he is in pain as well, and that's something that you don't really think about. Yeah, he says it's dark here as well. Yeah, not what I used to be. (laughs) So so yeah, that's that's super creepy. Um, It it explores a lot of themes of of death and loss and sacrifice and redemption, and uh, it's very much. I I always look at it as more of a gothic horror. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely yeah than than anything else um there's a lot of sort of art noir kind of style of the it chains as well. not, man all the chains yeah yeah sort of and like staircases and stuff it's visually it's amazing Lovely, it, I, I could watch it without well. any sound like, yeah you know the, the sort of main it. atrium that the guys all stand around rumor control these are the facts the yeah, way yeah. the light pours down from above from an unseen source there it's, it's like, beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's visually great. stunning. Yeah. It's yeah. almost as if the set designers had heard that Clive Barker was going to be working on this. Yeah. And then they were like, okay, yeah. so let's make him feel at home. There um, is an amazing, yeah. somewhere online, there's an amazing, um, uh, what you call it, where the, where the camera, where, where you film something and you speed it up over a matter of weeks and you see it all. Uh, uh, time construction. lapse. Yeah, sorry, man, that's the term a time-lapse of the set construction and it's humongous. Mm. It's really cool. Worth seeing if you can find it. Oh man. Mm. Well, I, I, links. I'm wondering, <laughs> uh, I, I know Rich, you seem to be very invested in this movie. <laughs> is, is there anything that you think that they could have possibly done differently to make this a better film? Wow. What a question. Um, yeah, I mean, there's loads. There's loads. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love it. I would say it's one of my all-time favorite movies. But, I mean, like I say, it's a hot mess. There's a lot of things that they that, that could have been done better. I think they should have just given Fincher more creative control over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if it had been released after Seven, they would have given him. Oh, they would have had a lot more it? confidence in him. <laughs> it would have been a different film. They would have let him just get on with it and sure. go, yeah, th- we get what you're trying to do. But yeah. at this stage, they didn't understand it. I don't think the studio did not get Fincher at all, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and they took a risk. Um, but like I say, there was a lot invested in it. But I think if they just let him do his vision and create it, um, we would have seen, well, at least a film that he acknowledges <laughs> more than anything else because right. he just dismisses it completely now. Um, but it's hard for me to pick certain things that I would say, oh, this could be better or that could be better. Do you guys um, remember the the VHS for this? I remember first seeing it in, uh, I think it was in Blockbuster Video or Ritz Video back then. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the strap line for this movie had a picture of, you know, Ripley standing on the front with her shaved head. The strap line was, the bitch is back. <laughs> yeah, oh, I I've always yeah. wondered, I've always <laughs> oh. wondered, is that referring to Ripley? Is it referring to the queen alien? Is it referring to the dog that's in I, the film? Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? I think, that that's, I think that's all inclusive and probably purposefully ambiguous. Because of course, if you because, say, because he calls, she calls the alien queen a bitch at yeah, the end so, of the... So know. really the answer or the, the, the reveal is spelled out from the yeah. beginning. And, and of course... I always you know, remember yeah. being quite shocked by that as a kid, like thinking like, well, that's a really um, scathing 
strap yeah. line. Well, I mean, you know, Ripley mm. is a bad bitch, all... so you, you got that. Yeah, sure, and but you've got the but alien it's so, queen. It's, so... it's so derogatory. Oh yeah, I'm not well, saying it is at all. Like... Yeah, you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't do that today at all by any stretch. Oh, definitely not. Definitely no, not. That, no. that would that would be your your well hell that might be your career. Um, I think but, uh... at that point in the 90s, there was there was a lot of kind of like the, the word bitch got reclaimed, you know, and it was sort of, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover song. And there was that kind of attitude to, you know, that women yeah, were sort of yeah. taking the word back. Um, so maybe it was empowering. I don't know. But I, yeah. I always had a problem with it. And I was always really unsure what it was supposed to be referring to. I think at well, the surely end it's of a, the it's day, a... it's, we can perhaps agree that it may have been in poor taste. Yes. Oh, definitely. That's that's my point. That's my point. I'm sorry, Rich. Isn't it like a nod? There. Yeah, no, no. I was just going to say, isn't it sort of just a nod from the line from Aliens? Yeah. That's yeah, what I was Get away from your yeah. bitch. That's, yeah, yeah. That, that, that surely is... I don't think there was any more thought involved to it than that, surely. Um, but probably, uh, I remember a poster. Not. I'm just trying to look it up now of like... Uh, there was a poster of... It was terrible. Three times the suspense, three times the danger, three times the terror. Hmm. was the tagline that, that I remember from Alien 3. And I think that's before they even had an idea of what the story was going to be. Yeah, that's like, revealing. Ah, three. <laughs> yeah. The stylized 3 as well, the little small 3. Is that because, again, I've been yeah. I've been looking into this. What, I've always wondered, why? Is it because there's three aliens in the film? Because you've got I, well, the, queen, I mean, if you're the looking at it, and the dog. It's like alien cubed. And mathematically, yeah. why? <laughs> why? Uh, yeah, exactly, cubed. I don't understand that. I mean, it looks cool, but I like, mm. you know, as far as a mathematical expression is concerned, I don't really see how that bears or holds any relevance to the film. Now, if there is, and I'm that just was a very common too thing dense in the 90s, to, though, wasn't it? to get it. Then. Stylized, stylized movie titles yeah. were really popular in the 90s. We had seven, uh, the following movie, which was S-E-7-E-N, right. wasn't it? Yeah, Independence yeah, was. Day was, was referred to as ID-4. Still don't get um, that. <laughs> ID four. I've not even seen the third one yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm no seriously. I was scratching my head as a child, and I'm still scratching my head about that one. It's like I get what you're going for, but yeah. I, mm. you kind of kind of fell a little I short agree. there. What about you, John? What if you could change one thing about this film, or if you think that yeah. it could be enhanced in any way? What would it be? Uh, I just, I'd love to bit. I'd, I'd like it to be a little bit more rounded, so that we have a better explanation for that egg at the beginning. Um, but mm. on the whole, the the assembly cuts the definite version. I'd say if you've if you're listening to this show and you've not actually seen that cut, like wow, stop everything and we've kind of ruined it for you. <laughs> yeah. But set three, uh, set three hours be, off of your day. Yeah, yeah, but really, it's a real treat. It's a it real is. treat, and it's um, there, there's so much there to so much detail and texture. The um, I, I don't, I'm very satisfied with it. I've I've always been happy with it, and I've you know I even like the the original cut. Um, mm. But I had problems with the pacing of that car. I thought it was too rushed, and yeah. it felt, but you know, it felt like it was being cut down for television. Um, mm. But now I understand the reason that was done was simply because they wanted to move to the action faster. Yeah, they wanted to they wanted to get there quicker because obviously the pace of the extended version is a bit is a bit challenging at times. 
Um, it was rushed, without... I think. The ending was definitely rushed, I think. It, yeah. Like you say, I think the special effects could be done better. It, there's, there's a few things that could be done better if well, they the had more time. The practical effects are brilliant, but the it's it's like the, uh, you know, it's like the marionette alien. Big black lines around it, lighting's a bit different, that kind of stuff. There's little shots like that. Sure. Which sort of let the movie down. This is pre-CGI, though. I mean, they weren't even... Nobody was considering we use CGI for the alien here. Which is quite mm. cool. A couple yeah. of years later, that would be the norm. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies for sure that uh, at, I, I was searching for things to uh, to take apart. You know, I was trying to deconstruct it and say, "All right, what what could you cut out?" What because I said, "All right, it, it is it is very slow, very deliberate, but uh, it's still two and a half hours long, two hours and thirty five minutes long, or whatever." Um, we need to mm. cut a few minutes here and a few minutes there. And I just couldn't really, uh, you know, I, I'm obviously not an editor of film. Um, so uh, this is my lay opinion, but I couldn't find very many places that I would want to cut things. However, there was one there thing. Is a bit, there is a bit when they, they're coating the whole place in. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. With the <laughs> something acetylene. Um, yeah. And. And then there's just, just, they're just brushing this shit all over yeah. the place. And then there's a huge fire. And it all feels like that whole sequence could have been That's probably, yeah, that, that could be it's true. It's a big um, sequence as well. That bit, but I love that when this, the flare is about oh, to hit yeah. the ground. And then this guy goes, Whoops. The only part that I really had an issue with um, just because I uh, I don't think that it was exceptionally tasteful, and I think that we got enough of the idea of the situation that Ripley was in was when she was about to be raped in the tunnels. Uh, I knew um, you were going to oh, say yeah, that. Yeah, I know yeah. that that is a very uncomfortable. I I it's extremely that. uncomfortable. But um, and the way I the guy like puts his goggles yeah, on, that, and goes like, yeah. and that's the thing is that there were some some aspects of it that were just so just so many uh odd decisions and in, in like like the goggles that that lend themselves yeah. to making it a cool scene but i don't think it was necessary i'm not one of those guys that you know it's just kind of like oh you can't put this in movies you can't put that in movies i'm the guy that says did you need to put that in the movie did it enhance the story because i think you get it you know what I mean? Like when you're watching it, you get it. You know that she's surrounded that junior, by these guys. Um, yeah. Um, you guy. know what could happen. So that wasn't yeah. really but doesn't, necessary. Th- doesn't that kind of set them up for, for Dylan to sort of save the day, though? It does. And that's the saving grace. I have it written down here because there may not be a better <laughs> fucking line in film than I got to re-educate some of the brothers. <laughs> like, <laughs> While yeah. he's like bashing their heads in yeah, with a big with a huge metal. fucking pipe. That was. I do, I do quite like seeing Ripley punch that guy in the face, though. Yeah. So that was that was it's that scene is very love hate. I don't think it was necessary mm. because I'm always my hackles do get raised yeah. whenever I see things put in movies that like just don't need to be there, especially when you're dealing with something sensitive like rape. It's like the the threat of it. I think is enough. I don't necessarily mm. think you need to see that. Yeah. It's actually um, better when they're when she's sort of walking down the alleyways and everyone's looking at her and they're all just following her with their eyes. That's that works and it's not as bombastic and it's kind of more subtle. Yeah, than, yeah, than and, and ridiculous and again, kind of. Though, it's 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 a a much fuller cut of this movie. So obviously things that were taken out or put back in. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that crossed somebody's mind. Again, I'm not passing judgment on the scene because, believe you me, I'm one of the last people to do that. And I know in our whole cancel culture, it's really, I always seem to be on the opposite side of whatever people are saying at any given time, even though I am on your side, if that makes any sense. Just sometimes mm-hmm. I think people are a little too whiny. Um, so don't don't think that uh, that I'm one of those cats. It's just one of those things that if I'm watching a film and you're just kind of embellishing an idea that's already been presented, you know, then then it kind of becomes a question of taste for me. But again, yeah, you got some awesome shots in that scene, um, such as Goggle Man um, Ripley punching <laughs> the dude, and then uh, Charles S. Dutton with his with his pipe. All of that was fucking awesome. So you can't have one yeah. without the other, though. But yeah, for me, that's, like, that's the only that's the only thing that I would consider changing. Um, apart from that, I I think it's it's a fantastic movie. Um, it's not one that I can watch over and over again, but nope. I definitely have a much better and a much more nuanced appreciation for it now as a, as a, a piece of art as a whole. I think it's incredibly impressive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's the way you got to look at it. It's a piece of art. I think that's totally it. If you're looking for a, uh, a lighthearted kind of action gun film to watch with your friends on a Friday night with some popcorn and beers, it's probably not the best film for that. Um, but if you appreciate it for what it is, like I said at the beginning, just appreciate for what it is, which is a piece of art, then you do have this this new appreciation for it. I think mm-hmm. um, it's beautiful. And I think I just think I just think it's a lot of hate, man. And I'm I'm so used to defending it in in you know in parties and talking to people about it because everyone hates it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, and it's you know it's up to you. But I think if you really give it the time, and like I say, you can I can only watch it maybe once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those films I'll revisit once a year and I'll take it in and I'll sit there and I'll watch the, you know, however long the assembly cut is. And mm. um, it's, a, like I say, a beautifully visually well shot film. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's not it's not for everyone. And I, I appreciate everyone's views on it. You know, guys, I, I think that that uh, that pretty much does it as far as as far as my perspective um, and, and what I have to add to my appreciation and understanding of, of Alien 3. I will say, because we're doing this this way, um, I, like I said, I did Alien with my dad. And um, I think that I did that last summer, actually. And I, I know you did it with Raj, John, also. So <laughs> yeah. we've, both, we've both done Alien. And that one was really cool because my dad huge fan of this stuff and he saw it in cinemas when it came out so it was really fun wow. to talk to him about being scared shitless <laughs> seeing all of the stuff that you've never seen before but but the point is i've done alien now we've done alien 3 and i'm kind of thinking that we should do aliens um I'm, i actually mm. recorded an episode with luke summerfield that's coming out in july and uh we're doing hook so this oh, will cool. come out um, awesome this will be August, so I'm wondering if we should do Aliens uh, in August and then have Alien 3 as like a July 2.5 release or 1.5. So it would be like Episode 7, Volume 1.5, Alien 3, because I feel awkward about um, jumping from Alien to Alien 3. <laughs> no, I think you but should do Alien to Alien ways, 3. <laughs> in some ways, I think you should, Matt. Because... In some ways, it does make sense. 
Because I think um, you should just do it. Like, does there have to be a, an order? Like, you don't, you know. Um, there doesn't say? have to we, be. We, we, can't I'm, t- I'm in... we can't talk about uh, the Dark Knight Rises until sure. we talked about Batman and Batman Forever and Batman. And <laughs> well, Robin, it's the know? OCD. We got to do it yeah. in order. <laughs> yeah, my dad and my dad and I did all three John Wick movies in in sequence. So that, okay. those were released, and I'm one. You know, and and it's yeah, absolutely it's correct you, if I'm man. looking. If how I'm looking you, at feeds and it's it is up to you. one, two, three, and then one to three, my yeah. brain might just explode. So um, we, we don't we don't mind <laughs> where you release this when no, you it, this this uh, if you're listening to this right now, you'll be listening to this in is this August. The assembly cut you're and, listening uh, to right now, and is uh, this the uh, the podcast assembly cut or the theatrical? Yeah, version? right. We're, <laughs> the one oh, with, that's that's where, for Patreon, where? John. That's for Patreon. <laughs> Um, so yeah this if you're listening uh, to this it's it's likely august and we are recording this at the end of june we're recording so I love this the, I, but we haven't yeah. even built the sets yet uh, yes i love the <laughs> the time travel chicanery and magic that takes place in podcasting because sometimes you're just like what the fuck if you're listening to something that was recorded months ago or maybe i don't know i haven't recorded it in the future yet i'd like to try that and then maybe send it back to the past but uh, but yeah, I just, uh, thanks again, guys, John, Rich, um, this was a wonderful suggestion and I'm very glad that we decided to do this. You're welcome. So, uh, me too, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been, it's been really fun. And I'm up for talking about aliens next, if you want to, cause it's, uh, yeah, it's, they're fun chats. Yeah. I, I really appreciate them and I'm always looking for people to, to have on the show. I have, um, a, sort of like a, a regular rotation, that I have, but even then sometimes, you know, scheduling is always an issue. So the the larger the pool you have to draw from, the less downtime there is and you can always be moving and, and in production. And so if you guys are up for it, then then I certainly am as well. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, Rich, it was a pleasure to meet you. You too, um, sir. In this in this uh, this format that, that we're all of us using these days. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't shake your hand if you were here anyway, so yeah. There is that. Might give you the might give you the old elbow tap. Yeah, a virtual elbow tap. <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah, you guys have a have a great day and uh again thank you so much and, and I look forward to, to doing it again. You're welcome, man. Yeah, man. Thank you for having us on. Absolutely. Take, Take care. care. Thanks guys. Awesome. You too, man. Bye. Bye. Damn, what a blast that was. Thanks again to both John and Rich for sharing their love and expertise involving that massive film, Alien 3. That was a really fun one, and I hope I'm able to get those gentlemen back on the show soon. In the meantime, y'all stay tuned for some spooky shit, because I think the Sleeping Giant podcast is going to celebrate Halloween for the rest of the year. Now, here is one thing that I do know. One of the flicks we're going to cover will be Beetlejuice. Oh yeah. Once more, I've been your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte. Thank you for listening to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. Until next time, y'all.